today's episode. We're talking about marriage. I've been actually really looking forward to this. <laughs> Me too. So I, I just can't wait for y'all to hear it. But we're talking about marriage. We're talking about things you should consider before you get married. We're talking about things that people should have told us yes. <laughs> before we got married. Missy is keeping it so... I almost can't even say that's keeping it real. Like, to me, it's like you were keeping it live. Yeah. When we got to mm-hmm. the, these are things that are going to happen after you get married. Particularly on the topic of what happens to your <laughs> sexy time after you have kids. Y'all, mm-hmm. I felt like I was getting like a behind the scenes on Viceland into what it means <laughs> to like be a parent and be married. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is going to be a great episode. We can't wait for you guys to hear it. I'm Amina. And I'm Missy. And we are here, here for, for the, the donuts. donuts. So many different flavors. Strawberry fills a dream. Delicious Boston cream. Sometimes I'm white for wasted. But I can't seem to quit. These donuts got me lit. I'm covered in glaze. In a haze, powdered face. Sprinkles in my double chin. But donuts equal life. So they can be wrong. And that's the reason why they give their own song. Well, today's episode is brought to you by Happy Donuts. And we still want to clarify, we are in our first uh, few episodes here. When we say that this episode is brought to you by, we mean we went there to this place and we bought the donuts and we ate them. And we're going to tell you what we ate and how delicious it was. But if you are listening out there and you have a donut business and you actually want an episode to be brought to our listeners by you, we're here for it. We're here for the donuts. We're here for your donuts. Yep. Yep. We're basically doing this so we can get free donuts is what Mm -hmm. is happening. So, you know, anytime. All right. Uh, Happy Donuts is a 24-hour donut place that is actually not far from where my husband and I live. It is in East Atlanta Village. So this is our second 24-hour donut place we've been able to try. I also want to make everyone aware that Happy Donuts also serves wings. And when did you go to a donut place (laughs) that also gave you the option of having wings? I mean, I just feel, I feel that's very East Side. Mm-hmm. And I like it very mm-hmm. much. Uh, I had the red velvet donut, which I I just have a soft spot in my heart for red velvet things. So the fact that you can encapsulate the beauty of red velvet and put it in a donut, like I'm here for that. Also, I tried the Behringer, which is, um, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but it's Happy Donuts version of a, what is that? Long John and Eclair are not the same because the Long John doesn't have the custard, right? I don't know. Okay. I feel like I'm so ashamed that I don't know. (laughs) I also felt like, (gasps) why don't you know these things? This is donut trivia that we should know about. Okay. We'll do the research. We'll know it by the next episode. Mm -hmm. So I think we're talking about the Eclair though, because it's long. It's a long donut, but it's got custard in the middle. It had the chocolate frosting, vanilla custard in the middle, it was amazing. What donuts did you have? I had the Happy Cream. I'm doing a happy dance. <laughs> Which was chocolate iced with cream filling, but it was not long and thin. It was short and fat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I ate the whole thing. As one should. 
And probably my favorite donut from Happy Donuts was the strawberry cake donut. I think there were actual strawberries in that donut. I don't know, but it tasted like my childhood. <laughs> That's all like, I could uh, think of. Like strawberry shortcake. Mm-hmm. and Yeah. Yeah, it tasted like my childhood. It, it definitely made me feel happy. Mm, which is the point, mm-hmm. I feel. Yeah. If you're going to Happy Donuts, you should walk away from that happy. You could go to Happy Donuts and be here for the donuts and stay for the chicken wings. Woo! I'm about to shout. Oh my gosh. To be able to stay for the chicken wings. Our producer, DJ Obdiggy, that's really his life, basically. <laughs> that he's here. He is also here for the donuts with us, but mm-hmm. he will definitely stay mm-hmm. for the chicken wings. Yes. Missy, do you have a someone needs a donut from your recent life? Someone needs a donut. Donut. I do. And it's not just one particular person. There's a lot of people, and I've been seeing it a lot. And I don't know if it's the weather or the season that we're in, but people are cranky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're really cranky. So I'm watching my Facebook feed, and I'm seeing these rants. And I know that you know that you're ranting because you started by saying, rant, colon. <laughs> so I know I. it's not that I'm reading this incorrectly. You are actually upset about the things that you're going to say. Or you might say it and put hashtag adulting. And as someone who has been adulting for over a decade. Come on, an adult. I'm going to tell you some of the things that you think are adulting are not adulting. Mm. Mm. They are not adulting. Mm. That's just called being alive. (laughs) You're, you should be saying hashtag alive. <laughs> I'm a person on this earth. Mm. I have to do things I don't want to do sometimes. Mm, yes. That's called being alive. Okay. Anyway, I'm lecturing y'all like you're my children. <laughs> now you know what it's like in my house. So these rants proceed on with a rant about something that's like a either a first world problem or like a, I asked for a favor and somebody did that favor for me, but didn't do it the way I wanted them to. You know, like things like that. Like you should not actually be upset about this. And I decided that I'm going to start. Con- oh, and I oh I also realized everybody else recognizes the foolishness because no one is saying anything. Mm. If you have a post anywhere on social media that starts with rant, colon and all you get back is i love you oh or a heart you need to delete that post (laughs) just go back and delete it because you have said something stupid dear lord or if i comment on your post with a donut emoji you will know that I'm giving you a someone needs a donut. Yeah, that's and important. that's not always a good thing. No, it is not. <laughs> and that is why the donut emoji is there. Yes. Just to be able to let others know you're in need of a donut. Yep. <laughs> that's very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't have anybody specific. My week was kind of crazy, but I saw a lot of that. There's a lot of that going on. There are some, there are some people out here in need of donuts. I'm going to go ahead and say... Uh, my cupcake award. 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 Cupcake award.
Cupcake Award! Goes to the woman in the airport, and I took a picture for Instagram just so that it would be clear to everyone this is a factual thing. To the woman in the airport that was wearing the cheeseburger hat. <laughs> and I, this is not this is not a cap. This right. is actually larger than any normal hat should be. So it wasn't like a hat with a picture of cheeseburgers on no. it. No. No. It was in the shape of a cheeseburger. It was an actual felt cheeseburger because I'm pretty sure the material of the hat was felt. So was it the, homemade? Is that possible? You know what? It could be possible. And it was like it was had like the bun and the burger mm-hmm. and the lettuce and tomatoes and the cheese were all made of felt stacked on there. And I guess it just had a hole underneath and you just stick it on top of <laughs> your So head. let me ask you this. Your cupcake award, is it a cupcake hat for this person? I feel like, and this is very selfish, I feel like it's a donut hat for me. Mm. Because I I feel like I saw this woman's cheeseburger hat and I was just like, I mean, like while we're here recording, (laughs) I just put my hand over my heart and I just felt like, I just felt a real allegiance to the boldness in the airport that day. Like this woman loves cheeseburgers so much that she was like, not leggings, mm-hmm. not a t-shirt. Or a tote bag. Or a tote bag, earrings. Mm. No. I am going to get a hat made out of felt <laughs> that epitomizes my mm-hmm. love for the cheeseburger. And I, I actually like questioned myself, like, do you love donuts enough? Mm. Like, would you go to the lengths this woman has gone to? If you just decide to go to those links, please let me know. Okay. Is it it's more for you to take pictures mm-hmm. of the fact that I'm mm-hmm. going okay. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just felt like, oh, I think my caption on Instagram was like, oh, she I think she loves cheeseburgers <laughs> as much as I <laughs> Or love she lost a bet. <laughs> <laughs> I looking at her in the airport, um there was nothing begrudging. Not it looks very type. much like I'm here with my cheeseburger hat on unapologetically completely but i was so like it was tickling my funny bone (laughs) so i couldn't get close to her and have a conversation (laughs) even though a part of me wants to be like did you make this hat yourself girl or is there like a place the cheeseburger hats are getting made Mm -hmm. but i knew i wouldn't be able to hold it in my laugh and i was like amina no no you don't get to talk to her you don't get to talk to her but her outfit coordinated (laughs) if anyone's wondering she lady with the cheeseburger hat you deserve a cupcake award, which you probably wouldn't accept because it's not a cheeseburger award. <laughs> but we are still giving it to you, honey. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Uh, do we have confessions? We always like to just make a few confessions mm-hmm. each episode, a couple of confessions. What confessions do you have? I have a confession. It's a small confession. Um. It does involve my husband, so it's kind of funny that we're talking about marriage. Yes. And how to treat your spouse. Mm-hmm. It also involves donuts. You are so consistent I on know. the themes it's today. Like I planned it. Come on. So, I'm um, trying to remember what day this was. I can't remember. Oh, I remember now. Okay, so Krispy Kreme had a sale. $4.99 for a dozen donuts. This is important. 
And I was like, well, we have to do this. Mm -hmm. So I went, I got the donuts, I brought them back. It's like the middle of the day. And I let, I have five children that all five had a donut. Right. Then um, the oldest one came up secretly and asked me for another one because she is smart. (laughs) And I said, yes. Yes. So she got one. Okay. And then my youngest also came to me and secretly asked for a donut. Okay. And he got another one. So that's seven donuts. Okay. My husband was like, no, I don't want any right now. And I was like, well, (laughs) you know what that means. Well. And over the course of the day, over the course of a couple of hours, (laughs) I ate the other five. (laughs) (laughs) Which I do want, I, I want, I want to interject is really, really possible to do quickly with a Krispy Kreme yes, donut. Yes, because there's, it's like eating air. Yeah. They're so yeah. light. They feel so light and just airy. Like Yes, but it, I know that I have to run a 5K for every two. Oh. So I also think about that. Oh. Like, I just don't know if that's true. I read that on the internet. It might not be true. Anyway... Uh, my second oldest child came to me secretly and asked for a donut. Okay. And I said, they're all gone. About that time, a couple other kids walked into the kitchen and they're like, who ate all the donuts? And I said, your dad. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I was caught. Mm. (laughs) so they still think they're dead oh because he was not there he wasn't there to be like no girl Mm -hmm. wow that's Mm -hmm. a good confession Mm -hmm. i mean i i I can't say i would have done anything differently you know somebody's got to be the what's the scapegoat version of that for donuts Mm -hmm. the scape donut or the donut goat i don't know but you have to be one. Somebody has to be one sometimes to explain what happened to the donuts. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when Matt eats all his donuts, he'll be like, who did this? Who ate all the donuts off my plate? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you know you did it. You know it's yours. Okay, my confession has to do with um, with time at the beach. Confessions. 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 I went to the beach with my family. And... I just want to say we're not we're not talking about fashion or or clothing of any kind, but I just want to give just a brief tip to everyone. Um, when there's there's two situations here. Sometimes you reach your 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 body reaches a certain proportion that there are certain types of bathing suits that may not be the best for you anymore. And my 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 chest in particular has reached a proportion that you need to really monitor the target bathing suit that you just pull off the rack and don't, you know, mm-hmm. try it on. So I had a wardrobe malfunction at the beach with my family. Um, it was one of those times where, like, first of all, 
I don't like the beach. Anyone that knows me knows I really don't much like outside. Mm-hmm. I like outside through a window. I don't really like to be out feeling the grass. I No, I'm not here for that part. But anytime we're at the beach, I go to the beach speaking of marriage things because I'm trying to be a good wife. I know my husband loves the beach. I'm trying to go out there and like put my time in. You know, right. he knows I'm not going to get out there and ride the waves in the way that he does. But I try to get out there and just have my swimsuit on, you know, and do this. Well, as I am headed to the beach, you know, because all of my mom's side of the family, basically, most of us are like in this house together. My mom and my two aunts are like having a conversation among themselves about cover-ups before we walk out there, which should have been an indication to me of some things I should have done a little differently mm-hmm. <laughs> when I got out there. But my aunt is like, ain't no shame in staying in your cover-up. At which time my mom is like, that's right. There was like a kind of triumvirate of a conversation between the three of them. That's right. Ain't no shame in it. Y'all can, I can Were keep on mine. Were you wearing a cover-up? I was wearing a cover-up, okay. but my cover-up is very cute. I have been known to wear that cover up as a dress in certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. So that's funny because I also have worn my cover up. Okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure my me. cover up is supposed to be a dress. Okay, okay. I feel like mine could really pass. I certainly have worn it. I think I've almost worn that thing in the fall before with some mm-hmm. leggings. Like, yeah, I, it's so cute to me. Mm-hmm. So the idea of getting into the water wearing my cover up didn't seem like the move right. to me because I, I was like, I don't want to do that. But I think my aunts and my mom were having the conversation to say, it's no shame if you do, mm-hmm. if you feel like you don't want to take off your cover up. It's no shame and right. you just rocking that. This is like a dude wearing a shirt. Yeah. In the water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm listening to them like right on womanhood, you know, like whatever mm-hmm. you want to do. Yes. And as I was leaving, they were repeating it to me again. And I feel now after having the wardrobe malfunction mm. that they were warning me and being like, this is not just a general womanhood conversation. We're actually saying you. There's no shame in you staying in that cover-up, girl. But I just didn't like peep game. So Matt and I are standing out there. I'm feeling very cute, which I think is what's most unfortunate when something embarrassing happens. Because I think you can take the embarrassment a little better when you didn't feel super cute, when you were just kind of like, ah, it was a regular day. Oh, embarrassing thing happened. I'm embarrassed, but mm-hmm. nah, I wasn't mm-hmm. really feeling all, you know. But if you're feeling really cute that day, it's yeah. like the embarrassment really knocks the wind mm-hmm. out of the cute day that you felt you were having. And I was feeling very cute, you know. I mean, I'm out there on the water, like frolicking with my man, you know. I'm feeling like life is very good, you know. This is going to be a great time. Well, it was kind of one of those days where the waves are like, Small, small, big, Mm. small, medium, big, small, medium, small, medium, big, you know? Mm -hmm. So you really kind of had to be watching what the waves were doing, but we weren't. We were just talking and a big wave came and just so we don't have to go into the further details of this, like my sweet husband 
just wrapped his arms around me like a big bear. <laughs> he was just like, oh, you know, like until we could get everything back oh. in the places where it was supposed to be. Mm. And there are quite a few of my family members that are out there that I'm pretty sure have seen <laughs> this. So my little cousin, who's like 15, we're standing at the beach and I'm kind of like joking about it, mainly to see if she will give up to me who saw the wardrobe malfunction. Mm. So I'm like, well, it's official that I'm going to have to get a new bathing suit because, and she was like, yeah. And then she was like, next time, just duck your head underwater. And I was like, I appreciate this tip, but how does one do that? One that does not Mm -hmm. swim or go outside. The idea of dunking myself (laughs) deeper into the water actually feels scarier than trying to cross my arms over my wardrobe malfunctions. (laughs) Then... My other cousin comes over and it it worked out because there were no male family members that saw this moment happen. Okay. So that like mm-hmm. helped my, you know, embarrassment levels. But my other cousin was like, yeah, she was like, I definitely saw it, but you looked nice. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank, Thank, thank you. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if it's like a straight line thank you or if it's like a question mark. Like, mm-hmm. I appreciate this compliment. I wish you had not had to see me this way. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. So basically, I didn't go to the beach anymore during our entire trip Aww. because I was just like, I don't, you know, I just. Mm. So that's my confession. <clears throat> Things that we learn in our 30s, honey. You need to update mm-hmm. the, need to update the swimwear. Yeah is the lesson. (sighs) Please don't have wardrobe malfunctions in front of your family members. It never (laughs) works out great. All right. Today, we are talking about marriage. I have been really looking forward to this conversation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We both have been like putting out some kind of feelers and getting some, uh, what do they call it? Crowdsourcing Mm -hmm. from our uh, Facebook pages Um, And it seems like a lot of people want to talk about, want to talk about marriage and some of the inappropriate things that go along with that, because we're also here for that. I feel like if we had a third phrase, it would be here for the donuts, stay for the cupcakes, be inappropriate. Right. So that's also what we're here to do. So we kind of want to talk about some things to know, think about, do, consider before you get married. And then we want to get into things to do, know, consider after you get married. And just so you have a vibe on kind of where Missy and I are on the marriage side of things, I think it's really great for us to get a chance to have this conversation because we have entered marriage so differently Mm -hmm. and at different times of life. And so I think we have a good like cross-section of varied experience. Yeah. So tell a little bit of your story of how you entered marriage and then like 
where your life is today. And some of our listeners will know a bit of this from previous episodes, but Mm -hmm. in case you're just happening to jump in on the marriage episode, we'll give you a few bullet points. Okay. So I I think my story is really unusual for most mainstream America. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I met my husband at Bible college and we went to a very uh, conservative church. So we actually courted. Oh, I didn't know this. Yes. That's like the official language courting. We were courting. In fact, when I heard that he was going to ask me to court him, I quickly borrowed a book from my roommate about courtship because I did not know what that meant. There's books on Mm -hmm. courtship. Don't read them. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Okay. I do not endorse Mm. courtship Mm. or recommend any of these books. Okay. That's my official (laughs) statement. Thank you. Yes. But it did give me an idea of what I was getting myself into. So uh, we had known each other for two years at school, but we weren't friends, really. We had seen each other around. We had mutual friends, whatever. So he takes me out on our first date to ask me to court him. So when you're courting, you can go out on dates, the two of you. You Mm -hmm. don't have to go like in a group. You do if it's going to be a dark, secluded place. Thank you. You go in a group. Okay. So on our first date, he asked me to court him and I was like, I think I want to do that. But what do you think that means? And he said, I would marry you right now if I could. But I know that there's a process to things. And I was like, "Okay, that sounds good. So then we were basically engaged. I mean, pretty much we had kind of had that conversation already. So that was for like three months. Okay. Until he asked me to marry him. Wow. Yeah. And we had met each other's parents okay we came home for christmas and met each other's families and everything and then he asked me to marry him so we were engaged for four months then we got married and then we were pregnant with our first baby four months after that wow right wow Mm -hmm. okay this is my first time hearing some of this timeline wow Mm -hmm. okay it was very fast Mm -hmm. very 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 fast i remember when i told my boss who was um a highfalutin doctor. I was her nanny. I told her that that we were going to get married, and she was like, what does he do? I was like, he stocks shelves at Whole Foods Market. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the bottom of the bottom. (laughs) Team member, that was his title. Yes, (laughs) yes. And she was like, do you guys have a five-year plan? I was like, "Mm, we're going to love each other. That's our plan. Mm -hmm. In five years, I would like it if we still loved each other. Mm. And she looked at me like I was crazy. (laughs) And then he tried to go buy our first apartment without me seeing it. He learned a valuable lesson. Mm, That is a very valuable lesson. Mm -hmm. Like he had to call my mama. Mm -hmm. He was like, she won't talk to me. I don't know what to do. So uh, that was how that went. And we have been married for, oh, shoot. Um, I think... 13 years. I bet that's right. And we have five children. Mm-hmm. We had we had all five of our children in the first eight years of our marriage. Wow. Wow. So we spent most of our marriage trying to catch up. Because mm. everything happened too fast. It was mm-hmm. all, everything was too fast. So we were 
just constantly trying to figure out, you know, like we're, we've really just gotten married and now we're going to have a baby. So we're trying to figure out how to be married and how to have a baby and then how to have another baby and another baby, another baby, another baby. Right. So really the last two years has been us being us. Mm-hmm. Me not pregnant or breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Intense. That is intense. <laughs> Especially now, like I, you know, because I'm entering Missy's life at, I think you had been married maybe nine? No. Yes. No. Yeah. Eight or nine years. So I was in, I was entering your life as you were getting towards the end of that eight years, you were in your pregnancy of your youngest Mm -hmm. child now. Mm -hmm. So, but I'm entering Missy's life at that time and we are only a year apart in age and I'm just getting married. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just getting married. I'm a newlywed, you know? So my story was more like, I, I think I avoided dating for a long time. Like I didn't date at all through college, mostly out of like fear that I, for some reason, I always had this fear of like, if as soon as I start dating someone and fall in love, I am going to have sex with them. I'm going to get pregnant right off the top. That was my biggest fear. And coming from like strong, you know, single mama that had raised me, I was like, I cannot, I cannot go home from college with like this big belly Mm -hmm. and dash all the hopes everyone had of me like doing well. Wow. So I didn't date at all through college because I was literally afraid. (laughs) I remember just telling guys at school, like, no, you can't even have my phone number at all. I can't even call you. No, I'm so serious. Like I have (laughs) got to finish school. So I did that all through college. And then I got out of college. And I think when I got into my mid twenties, I kind of felt myself turning into a church woman. And I don't think it's bad to be a church woman, but a lot of the church women I knew it was like, they were beautiful. They had all these great like spiritual gifts and different ministries that they did, but they were all single and I'd never seen any of them date anybody. And I think I started to have this fear inside of like, there's something in me that knows how to do church things and that knows how to do some spiritual things, but I'm in my 20s and I don't know how to act on Mm -hmm. a date with like a grown man that I'm attracted to. And that seems kind of weird. Like it seems like you shouldn't have to be one or the other, Mm -hmm. you know? You should be able to be both things if you want, you know? And so I started, I also, and maybe, you know, you were growing up in this era too since we were the same age, but I feel like coming from that, like, Joshua Harris, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, kind of. I think he might have written the book I read on courtship. Yeah, pretty sure. Pretty sure. So I think in some ways, like, that information, some of it may have been fine if you were 16. But when you become an adult, some of those (laughs) things Mm -hmm. don't quite work the same. And for a lot of us that weren't going to get married until we were in our 30s or in our 40s, you're going to be dating a while. Right. You know, like mm-hmm. if you were waiting for this one person to come and 
date you, marry you, you know, you may be either waiting a long time or by the time that person comes along, you're so immature and not able to even handle (laughs) a relationship or anything because you've like never been on a date or had to sit across from someone and deal with the fact that you felt attracted to them or whatever that was. So I started reading, um, I read Boundaries in Dating first, which was written by um, Henry Cloud and John Townsend. And that sort of helped me to switch my ideas of like, oh, well, dating is this thing you you only do to get married to dating is a thing you do to grow as a person, to grow in your relationship to God. And some of the people that are going to help you grow are going to be people you date that aren't going to be your spouse. But if you are in community while you're dating, you know, not in community, like bringing community with you to the date necessarily. Right. But if people are walking through your life with you and you have wise people in your life, you know, so that was kind of the phase I was in when I met Matt. But I met Matt in my late 20s and we were friends for a long time. And he was all, I'm not dating anybody because I need to get my ducks in a row stuff. And I was like, please ask me to dinner. <laughs> really want to go to dinner with you. So it seems like we were friends for a couple of years, but it moved pretty quickly once we started dating each other. It's like once we discovered, oh, this isn't just a friendship. There's like Mm -hmm. something else that's here. So I think we dated, engaged, married 13 months, like all together fast. Mm -hmm. But I was 31 by that time, which was later than I thought that time was going to be. Hey, that's twice as long as we did. (laughs) That's a long time to me. Right. 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 (laughs) So we want to talk about first now that you kind of hear the different phases of life where Missy and I both were entering into marriage, we wanted to talk about what are some things that you wish you'd known before you got married or now in your marriage, things that you look back on and go, that was really important that we did that. Or I really wish we wouldn't have done that before we got married. <laughs> that was a colossal waste of time. So one of the first things we want to talk about, because I remember having this question a long time, is how to know if you should marry someone or if there really is a the one mm-hmm. person for you. What do you think about that? I have a funny story about that. Oh, please. My husband uh, did not believe that there was a one. Okay. So he tried out different people before me. <laughs> Like, I don't feel any affection for this person whatsoever, but I'm going to try to date her. Okay, okay. And try to make this work. And and sometimes it was, I'm going to pick that person and see if I can make them how I want them to be. Mm. I think there was a little bit of that. Okay. And he did all of this in a really short period of time. Okay. I'm talking like a few months. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I could be really generous and say one year. Okay. But he very quickly went through all of that. And then I think I was more like this, I don't want to say gnat, but I was like this thing that was like present and kind of humming around him <laughs> that he was totally unaware of because he was trying to make make these other people work. And I was just working naturally. Mm. So I feel like, the the person the things that I can point out in my life that have gone smoothly have been unforced. Hmm. It's not forced. 
You don't have to do something to get that person's attention mm -hmm. or manipulate the situation so that you look some kind of way. You have to be yourself. And if yeah. you don't, then you're really going to get into trouble because it's really hard to be somebody else for a long time. Let so me you tell you. you can get that person to marry you. Mm-hmm. And then later realize, I cannot be this person mm -hmm. anymore. And now you're in trouble. Right. You got to be yourself. Yeah. And you got to be the kind of person that the kind of person you want wants to be with. Hmm. That's good. So if you're trying to get with somebody who's got certain characteristics that you don't line up with, you might need to adjust your standards mm -hmm. or improve yourself, but don't change yourself. Right. You can't change yourself. Mm, that's good. The difference between improving and changing. But I don't know changing. if there is just one person for everybody. I don't know if I believe that. I don't either. I, I, I don't buy into the idea of there being the one. I mean, obviously now that I'm married to Matt, I... I look at him all the time the and just right think now, yeah. like, oh my gosh, like I can't imagine there being anyone else that mm -hmm. would have been as right. good of a fit for me as you are. Mm -hmm. But some of that you, you are discovering more as you are married to the person that there are all these things that like you didn't even know you would have needed in a spouse that now you have, yeah. you know? So I, yeah, I don't buy into that. And I also think, I think marriage is a choice too. I think there are gonna there could be a few people that will fall into like, I don't know, like if you were to imagine life as some story or some plot line that's being written in your life, like there are a few characters in your story that could be a spouse. And it is partly up to you to be doing that soul work yourself, mm -hmm. to be able to discern some of those things like mm -hmm. I think there are a couple of other people I could have married. Mm -hmm. I can look at Matt and say he was the absolute best choice right. out of all those choices that I had. But I don't know that I feel like in this mystical sense, there's this one person for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I just think that thought gets you into this weird, it gets you into this weird trap to me because a lot of the, are they the one boils down to like some feelings right. that you have or like how the person makes you feel. And I've dated some people that like the feeling of spending time with them was like awesome. Mm -hmm. But the actual practicality of like, are we going to like actually be committed to each other or be there for each other? Or do our value systems match up? Like those things weren't true. So my emotions could have been like, oh, that person's right. the one. My husband wrote me a poem. What is what? Yeah, I'm just now realizing you've never heard it. He mm -hmm. actually made a video to go with it. Um, yes, I I offline. And it's not lame. It's not a lame offline. Video. I need to be a part of this. It I need to see this before our wedding. I think. Wow. Or maybe at some point during. The, I can't remember. I wasn't out there for that part. But yes, and there's a line in the poem that he says that love is more than a feeling, for feelings are easily moved. Come on and write, Brent. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm, yes, when we when we are done with here for the donuts recording, <laughs> I'm gonna need to schedule an appointment yeah. so that I can see this. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I think that's true. Okay, what I want to talk a little bit on one of our Facebook comments. Someone mentioned biblical standards versus biblical examples. <laughs> This is one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about this because I think 
I think some of what happens before marriage is you have these expectations. Oh, yes, you do. Of what of what in general marriage is like, whatever mm-hmm. your faith background or, you know, cultural upbringing. But Missy and I both coming from like a faith-based, like a Christian context, that was like the lens through which we were seeing marriage. I think you do hear these weird words sometimes of like, well, I want to have a biblical marriage. And then sometimes no, I'm don't. like, I'm, I'm like, do you, you want to do that? Because some of the marriages in the Bible, the Bible are not really like when you say biblical marriage, I don't really think you mean you want to be married like these people because mm-hmm. they don't do the things right. No, <laughs> they don't do the things right. <laughs> no, they don't do the things Mm-mm. right. Yes, I am delighted to talk about this. And I I have sometimes gotten in trouble for saying these things. Okay. I will continue saying them because they are true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because what, what you said is a good point. If you look at the examples in the Bible, my favorite one to bring up, of course, is David. Bless right. his heart. Oh, bless, bless his heart. His bless heart. his heart. Mm-hmm. And Bathsheba. Oh. I mean, he just kind of took her... Had her husband killed, got her pregnant. That was that was a biblical marriage. That right. was a marriage in the Bible. Right. Mm-hmm. Look how that went. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you got prophets marrying prostitutes, like all kinds of stuff that we're probably not going to do. Right. So there is a standard, but I don't. I wouldn't even say it's a biblical standard for marriage. It's a biblical standard for how to treat people. Yeah, that's good. And how to serve one another and love one another. Mm -hmm. And that's applied. Yeah. That's applied really well. Mm -hmm. But we do, especially in in Christian circles, we get into all those words and ideas and the books and all of these things. And then you can do everything right. You can court and not kiss until your wedding and all of these things. And your husband might cheat on you. Right. Anybody's capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. So we we have to get rid of the idea that if we do it all right, it's going to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Because you could do it all right and then have a child with a severe disability. Right. You can do it all right and then your spouse could die. Right. Right. There's all those dynamics there that nobody gets mm-hmm. to control about their own mm-hmm. story. That's so good because I, I do feel like I when I was single, it was sort of being taught to me, almost setting up this precedent of like, mm-hmm. like I remember being in a youth group and this speaker came in. I think we were at like some retreat or something. And he made it sound like, you know, if you wait until you get married, your honeymoon is going to be so amazing. Like he made it sound like it was going to be like this <laughs> cinematic experience, you mm-hmm. know? And like, we were young. We're like, oh, okay. But then you actually get married, which we'll discuss mm-hmm. in a little while. Well, you actually get married and you're like, uh, hey, the way you sold this to me is not, is not exactly how the reality. <laughs> I'll uh, tell you what, I was hunting down some tucks. Is it Tux that makes the hemorrhoid? Oh wipe? gosh! Oh gosh! <laughs> That's what I was doing after I got married. Ooh. 
Y'all, this is about to get so real. Okay, we're going to go there in a second because there's some other things we need to discuss there. It was there. not cinematic. No, no, no. And 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 whether whether your first time was in your marriage or at another point of life, it is almost certainly never mm-hmm. cinematic. Almost certainly never. Okay, let's talk about marriage prep. If you are... Let's talk first, like, if say if you are single listening to us right now mm-hmm. and maybe you're dating somebody, but maybe you're not. One day you're just like, you know, marriage seems like something that I, you know, would really want to do in my life. Are there things that are, are there things that you believe a single person can do to prepare for marriage even before um, even before like that person is in their life? Well, I didn't do anything to prepare for marriage. It just (laughs) happened to me. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I feel like so many things in my life go that way. But also I'm a very intuitive person Mm. and I tend to just feel the energy and feel the vibe and go with it and not against it. Yeah. So unless it's a bad vibe. Then it's like, then you I'll probably cut out. just leave the room. Yeah, you got to cut out. You got to get out of there. Leave. You can't really go against a bad vibe. No. Anyway, um, man, I think that the main thing, if you're looking at long term singleness, is you have to not be rigid. You might be developing some ideas about how life is going to go mm-hmm. and, or just getting into habits in your own life that are going to be wrecked when you have to share that with somebody else, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to not be rigid. I would say also if you can somehow involve yourself with another family or more than one family. That's a really good point. I never thought about that. That's a really good point because that mm-hmm. is something that happened to me. Like I spent my, from when I was 22 to 27, I lived with a married couple that I went to church with. And that really in a good sense, like took away a lot of my fantasy ideas about marriage, Mm -hmm. but not in a, not in a bad way. Like looking at them was like, Oh no, I thought I wanted to get married and now I don't. It wasn't like that. Mm -hmm. It was just like, it made marriage way less like television and movie plot. Mm -hmm. And we kiss each other goodnight and everything's always fine. You know, I got a chance to see them be romantic. I got a chance to see them care for each other when one or both of them were sick. You know, I got to see them fight and then have to communicate about that and make up, you know, it was a very like real thing, you know, and especially for me not growing up, seeing my parents married, you know, Mm -hmm. so I just didn't have like whatever I watched on television or saw little bits of in other people's lives was all I knew. Right. But now I think that really did help me learn a lot of things, a lot of good things about marriage. It's Mm -hmm. a great point. Have them over for dinner, babysit their kids, cut their grass. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's a really good point. Yeah. I also would say go to therapy. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Get that stuff worked out. I would say go to therapy. Everybody needs to go to therapy. Like everyone, whatever your phase of life is. Mm Mm-hmm. At some point in your life, go to therapy because I think, I think one of the things about marriage that happens is it, it becomes this like crucible almost where like 
all your stuff Mm -hmm. is rising to the surface. Like your insecurities, you know, a lot of good things about you will rise to the surface too. Like you really learn how to love someone in this way that you, you are not walking away from that. You are like having a stick in there and, and work through things, you know, so there's a lot of good things too, but your childhood stuff, your triggers, like all that stuff, if you're not at least aware of it, then that's hard. Mm -hmm. That's like a really good prep, I think, going to therapy, because that starts getting you to seeing where's the, where are the places where I sabotage myself or where I am, you know, blocking myself from having good things in my life. You know, your therapist kind of starts getting you walking through your Mm -hmm. family of origin stuff. And that's good to know, because then in your marriage, you can say things like, Whenever we talk about money, it makes me feel like this because of the way that my parents Mm -hmm. raised me. So if my face looks like this, it's not because I'm not listening or because I think what you're saying is stupid. I'm just freaking out. And I just do that when we talk about (laughs) money, Mm -hmm. you know, or whatever that is. But some of those things you don't know until you're sitting there like talking to a therapist. Um, Let's talk about let's also talk about money. (laughs) I have a funny story about that one also. Is that... Should should or should not that, (laughs) that sentence is not supposed to be constructed that way. Should or not they that, (laughs) should or not they that marrieth the others, should or should not they discuss the money, the financials. Yes. Yes, I agree. Because I think the majority of divorces are money-based. Yeah. People not agreeing on money. People mm-hmm. get ugly about money real yeah. quick. Unless so you don't have no money. But that's even then people other, fight yeah. about not having money. Yeah, that's its whole other struggle. But right I there. would say, and I think you can relate to this being married to my brother. When you grow up without money, you're kind of like, mm. <laughs> Right. Like, like, well, you're, we don't like, have no you're money. like, oh, I know what to do with this. It's normal. Yeah. <laughs> I know what to do with this. We eat these sandwiches. <laughs> Like, yeah, like I think I think it's important to print out your credit report. Someone on my Facebook said that. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to my cousin Darrell. Um, I think it's important to print out your credit report. I did not need a credit report on on my husband before we got married, because let me tell you what happened. He started a club. Him and his roommate started a club. Okay. Like a guys only kind of club mm-hmm. where they were gonna like debate things in a scholarly way. Okay. So they started rooming together in one bedroom of their apartment so that this other bedroom of their apartment, they lived in the projects, by the way, by choice. They lived in the projects of Dallas, Texas. Okay. In one of the top 10 most dangerous cities. Okay. In the United States. Wow. By choice. Mm -hmm. So this other room in this apartment was to be devoted to their club. I cannot remember the name of it, but I know it would be awesome if I could. So I got to be there because I was personal assistant. <laughs> this to is turning one of the guys. <sighs> this was like a church position. Oh, I see. Okay, please. So for some reason I was able to use that to get me into this room. <laughs> Where Brent had recently gone with a credit card and bought a computer. Wait a second. A camcorder. Wait. All the Rosetta Stones. No. No, not the Rosetta Stones. All the Rosetta Stones. 
a VCR, a DVD player. Wait, the mm-hmm. list is still still oh, going. Okay. A table. Okay. A whiteboard. Wait a minute. All the office just... supplies and chairs. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. And it gets even better than that. On the whiteboard was a list things we need. So he's standing there and he's showing us all this new stuff out of the box because he had just gone to Best Buy and Office Depot and all these places and bought all these things. And we're like, wow, how did you pay for that? You stock shelves at Whole Foods Market. And he was like, I got a credit card. Oh. Right. Oh. And so I'm looking around at all this. I'm like, this is a lot of stupid Man. stuff on a credit card. And I look at this list on this whiteboard and it's like, things we need. When I tell you wives was on this list. Wow. (laughs) I was not expecting that. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Wives. Wives. Son. We need wives. Oh gosh. I looked around that room and I looked my future husband straight in the eye. I said, good luck getting a wife with your debt load. Oh gosh. And then do you know I married him like eight months later? Oh, oh, oh. And then I worked to pay off that debt. Oh, man. <laughs> right along with him. Oh, man. <laughs> Life. Yep. Life. Funny. Life is funny. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because Matt and I were getting married in our 30s. We both had amassed some things. So I felt like... I just felt like I had been like financially all over the place. Like it's like that moment where you're like, I'll fix this. I'll get this together. And then you're right there. You're engaged. You got to print this out and stare at it. And that's the stuff to me that gets you beyond like, but we love each other so Mm -hmm. much. And like feelings, feel, feels, all the feel, feel, feelings. It's like when you are staring at that, Mm-hmm. And you're like, why did I make, like, you have to answer to someone why you made this choice right here. Like why that bill got to the point where it went into collections and now it's sitting yep. on the, like when you, you have to, to know somebody. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like every person that's about to get married, if you are at an age where you've had enough time to do the things to your credit report, you need to print that out because it's not sexy. <laughs> like it's not sexy. Mm-mm. It's not romantic, but it's it's a part of real life. You have to yep. know how how you've handled your money in the past, why you've handled your money like that in the past, what you anticipate the future being. You have to know like what you're getting into. I mean, I have some friends who they looked at each other's credit reports and one of them was like, "We're not getting married until you pay these things yeah. off." Like I'm not I'm not going to like I'm not going to help you with this. Like you've amassed this so that's how long it's going to take us to get married mm-hmm. is waiting for you to fix this. So I do think even though the money is not a sexy thing to want to talk about, it's a thing that is a constant conversation in your actual real life marriage. Yeah. So you should totally like talk about it beforehand. Okay, let's talk about meeting the family before. Because mm-hmm. you are marrying the family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because every crisis that occurs in that family is now your crisis. Facts upon facts. And you should know if this is a family that has a lot of crises. Mm, Come on, crises. Yes. I feel like everyone has at least one portion of their family that you 
feel like apprehension about introducing your person to them. <laughs> like I remember that crossing my mind that there were like a few, just a few pockets of the family that I was like, hmm, do I give you the preface before we walk into that room? <laughs> like, so, um, so-and-so is probably going to say this, even though it's offensive and not funny. And then, you know, like I'm trying to explore, or do I just let you walk in and assess the scenario mm-hmm. yourself? I don't know. But I do think that's like really important because I, I get hooked on watching these marriage shows like um, Bride and Prejudice. I watched that one. And what's the other one? Bride and Prejudice and Married at First Sight. I love these shows. But like the reality, um, the, the reality fortunately is a little better than the show because you have an opportunity, hopefully, to get to know the family first. And I'm using the word involve, but I don't mean like involve in your personal things. But I think as you're bringing someone into your life that you hope to marry, I think it's good to involve the family in certain parts of that. I don't think they should be involved. Like every time y'all fight, Mm -hmm. you're talking to them about Mm -hmm. that. I don't mean involved like that, but I mean like you've had a chance to spend one-on-one time with this person. Your family is just now meeting them. Mm-hmm. Give your family some time to know that person before you expect your family to also love them. I yeah. mean, would you say that's also true? Mm-hmm. I think also your family, if you have healthy relationships with your family and they are not crazy people. Right. Important facts to your consider. Your family may be able to discern things about the other person that you are blind to. That is so true. And there has to be room for that mm-hmm. in a healthy family yeah. relationship. Yeah, that's a great point, too, because it's up to you to choose your relationship. But it is true. Your family sometimes is picking up on some they stuff. They should like, know you really well. Yeah. I mean, I dated some guys. I never brought a guy home until Matt, which is how my family knew, like, oh, <laughs> like she trying to bring him over here for dinner? What? <laughs> you know, so that was part of it. But when they would kind of meet, they would happen to meet most of the other guys like by chance if they happen to be at the same event or something Mm -hmm. and there will be several times that my sister particularly my sister I feel like she's the one she's the family member to impress which was also the case for me Matt told me you are the family member to impress Mm -hmm. so I feel like my sister is always just like she just has that immediate gut feeling and like she never gets past it it's like if Mm -hmm. she doesn't have the good feeling about you off top right nothing you're gonna do Mm -hmm. is gonna help her feel that way I can relate to that (laughs) made some girls cry i specifically told one you are not the one you are not the one leave my brother alone please yes my sister has shaded (laughs) she has shaded quite a few now i'm glad but at the time i was like uh i feel embarrassed okay let's talk about um let's talk about wedding versus marriage prep how did you handle the balance of that before getting married. Okay, I got married pre-Pinterest. Ooh, and I thank him. Mm. Uh, so there was very little information for me. I think I may have also gotten married before Pinterest. And very little pressure. Mm. All of, most of my friends hadn't been married. So most of the weddings I had ever experienced were my cousin's weddings years before, because they're all older than me. Mm-hmm. So it was like very traditional, whatever that church does type weddings. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a traditional kind of person. So I knew that that's not what I wanted. So I was kind of like 
bucking the system a little bit as far as like, I really want to come down the aisle to Jimmy World, mm. you know, and mm-hmm. our church was like, okay, <laughs> which was really surprising, <laughs> yeah. but that's what we did. So we changed it up. Like none of the music was traditional, but outside of that, and I wanted an ice cream bar. That was all I, I wanted for food. I still love that idea that you ice did that at your bar. wedding. That's so cool. That's all I wanted. Outside of that, I did not care. I didn't have any. I I was forced to rent a candelabra because the church said so. <laughs> and then the florist, when he showed up to deliver the candelabra and the very few bouquets that I had ordered, mm-hmm. felt sorry for me and returned with all this ivy. Oh. And started putting ivy and tulle up everywhere. Oh. Which I do appreciate now. Yeah. But I didn't really... I, we didn't spend a great deal of time. I bought a book, Planning a Wedding in Six Weeks or Less, mm-hmm. that had, like, fill-in-the-blank stuff and mm-hmm. here's how to quickly pick a cake and all that. So I, did, like, kind of did all that and was yeah. like, okay, I feel good about this. And then somebody from the church was like, well, the day of my wedding, she's like, what are you going to kneel on when you take communion? And I was like, I was going to stand up. And she was like, you don't stand up when you take communion. I'm like, well... I do. <laughs> most, in most church services. <laughs> I didn't, I did not purchase or rent this, whatever it's called for the bride to kneel on in this tooth fairy dress that I'm wearing. Come so on, tooth fairy dress. Come I'm on. planning on standing here and taking communion that way. And I don't think God cares. <laughs> so I stood up to take my communion. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You heard it here first on Here for the Donuts. Yeah, I was, um, I still feel like I was a terrible bride. (laughs) Not in the sense that I don't feel like I was bridezilla. I feel like I was like on the other end of like, oh, there's like a lot of this I don't really care about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I remember the women in the church being like, well, what kind of flowers are you going to have? Are you going to have daisies? Are you going to have sunflowers? What about calla lilies? Calla lilies are so pretty. Are you going to have? baby's breath or roses? Are they going to be pink or red roses? Are they going to be the little baby roses? And I was like, you just said a bunch of words. And (laughs) I don't even know what a calla lily is. Like, I can't, like, if I had to pick one out of a lineup. I I like plants, so I did care about my flowers. You cared about the flowers. I -hmm. I didn't know about that. They were asking me about the candelabra. Is it going to be cast iron? Is it going to be gold? Is I was like, listen, I just know I'm Amina. I'm finna marry Matt. <laughs> our family gonna be there. And our close friends gonna be there. That's it. <laughs> so I felt like a lot, they were, I feel like the women in the church, because Matt was a youth pastor at the time. So thankfully we had a lot of great, like, like the experience you had, a lot of great church community around us. So much of our wedding would not have, been done mm-hmm. if those women were not around asking right. me the things. Mm-hmm. But I just felt horrible because I just didn't, I think I had really gotten to a point where I did not think I was going to get married. So I just stopped thinking about it. Right. I stopped thinking about like the colors, like some of my friends like that were single a- mm-hmm. during that time with me, they had like notebooks and yeah. hope chests and Ooh. swatches of stuff. And mm-hmm. I was just like, Mm-mm. I just figured if I actually do get married sometime in the distant future after I've traveled to Timbuktu and back or whatever I'm doing with my life right now, you know, we'll figure out all that together when I, you know, meet him, mm-hmm. you know. 
But then I'm like marrying a very laid back man. So for the most part, outside of wanting a pizza stone and wanting a waffle maker, Matt was just like, mm-hmm. what time I got to be there? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he didn't have a lot of particular things he mm-hmm. wanted. So I feel like too, enjoy your wedding, but like, I feel like make sure you are putting more energy into the foundation of your marriage mm-hmm. while you're engaged, not into this wedding that's like literally only going to be one day. Yeah. And then it's like you and that person. And honestly, a lot of the people outside of your family and and maybe the people that are in your wedding party, 10 years later, you will not know what those people are doing. Dang. Or where they're at or how many more kids they had. That was a situation for us. I couldn't tell you what most of the people that were at my wedding, outside of my family and my my close right, friends. Right, right, right. I don't know what they're doing now. That's a good point, too. Because it feels like it's everything. Because you're like, this is my one day to yeah. do all the... Mm-hmm. I think I took a nap on my wedding day, mm-hmm. which I kind of like... I give myself the big pat on the back. I was like relaxed enough that day that mm-hmm. I took a nap in the middle of the day. I feel like you should enjoy that day. But make sure you're doing all the other prep stuff mm-hmm. that's going to like affect your life. I'm also going to just go ahead and jump out there on the money part and say, you should not be going into debt over this wedding. No. Lord. You should not be going into debt over this no. wedding. Mm-mm. You don't want to walk into a marriage with debt relating to your honeymoon or your wedding if you can help it. And I know we were kind of like scrambling money together with our family mm-hmm. to pay for our wedding. Everybody kind of came around us like a big old village and we worked hard and saved up the money. But- we did that thing under budget, which was stressful. It was stressful to do, but it was better. Like when we got home from our honeymoon and we were like, we don't owe anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's paid. Mm-hmm. We're good. I, I say those things. Um, what else do we want to talk about? Okay. A couple more things about before marriage. And then we got to jump into the after marriage because we have so many things I want to just want to discuss because there's a lot of this that we're going to talk about that I'm going to be l- looking at Missy like, tell us all the things. <laughs> I've been saving my voice. My marriage is only uh, in kindergarten, so (laughs) tell us everything. Okay, we're going to talk about sex prep, but I think I want to talk about that last because I think that's a good transition (laughs) going um, going into talking about what happens after you get married. Sure. Okay, did you do premarital counseling? We did. Do you recommend it? Yes. Okay. Uh. We had premarital counseling with uh, a man from New York. Oh. I don't know if you've ever heard of Savage Nation, Michael Savage. Uh, he's a talk show host. Oh, wow. That just says what he thinks all okay. the time. And it's kind of funny to listen oh. to. Because you're like, wow, I can't believe he just said that. That was basically who we had doing our counseling. Wow. So... um He got very to the point Mm. with things. Mm. And there were some really great things, exercises, that he walked with us through that really prepared us for marriage. One of them was he gave us a worksheet that had all the real-life tasks on it, the household tasks. Who's going to do what? And a realistic list of how long this takes to do. Wow. So in our community that we were in at the time, most of the men worked and most of the women also worked, but they also homeschooled, did all of the cooking and cleaning, 
and whatnot. Wow. So this was his way, I think, of kind of like, hey, have you ever thought about this? Like, you go to work for 40 hours, but she's doing all this and sometimes having a job on top of that. Wow. So it was a really good way to look at, to change our expectations Mm. for roles. Mm Mm-hmm. And mostly in my benefit, <laughs> because most of those things fall on the woman, right? Generally, and um, so I really appreciated that. And the other thing was uh, conflict resolution, mm-hmm. discussing mm-hmm. healthy ways to resolve conflict, which honestly I feel like we're still working on. Yeah, it's not a strong point for us. We don't have a ton of conflict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> most of the time, the things that my husband feels strongly about. I don't feel strongly about, and most of the things that I feel strongly about, he doesn't. So we're like, okay, well, that seems like a big deal to you, so we'll do what you said. Right. (laughs) That's usually how it works. It's not very often that we conflict with one another in that way. But knowing how your family has taught you to deal with conflict and how you like to deal with conflict. That's good. Finding out Mm -hmm. that other person, their upbringing, and how they like to deal with it ahead of time. Mm -hmm. You kind of need somebody to mediate that for you. That's good. That's a good point. I feel like our premarital counseling, I'm also really glad we did. And I highly recommend it because I think the premarital counseling is also like a good interruption in your wedding plans. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have premarital counseling, I feel like you're, you're just planning all the stuff that goes with the wedding and you're getting the logistics together for afterwards, like where you're going to live and those mm-hmm. things. Promoter counseling sort of forces you to be like, uh, hey, before you go buy those flowers for the wedding, let's talk about these things. Mm-hmm. So the way ours was, uh, we had actually the pastor who married us, he and his wife did our premarital counseling. So it was also nice walking through that with a couple whose marriage we liked. <laughs> <laughs> Because you know how some people, like, like they want to give you advice, but you look at the way they interact with their spouse, uh-huh. and you're like, I don't want you to tell me the things, because right. I don't know that y'all like each other still. Yeah. I don't want you to tell me the stuff. So we could tell they still like each other. So that was good to get that, like, balance of the male and female perspective, you know, during our counseling. But there were several junctures in the counseling where they would send us home, and they'd be like, here's an issue, you need to come to an agreement about that issue before you come mm-hmm. back to meet with mm-hmm. us. And there were like a few of those that surprised me that we had very differing opinions on, or one of us had that as a priority way higher than the other person. And we had like, it was like, you can't come back to premarital counseling until you've come to some agreement about how you're going to move forward as a couple, because that's the thing. You're a couple now, you know, in your marriage, you can't be like, oh, well, you want to eat healthy. I don't pork rinds all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, like now you're a unit. It's like, okay, you have to find some ways to bend and compromise in a way where you are still being yourself. You're still valuing yourself, but you're also valuing your spouse and your mm-hmm. commitments there. Um, I'm trying to think of one of the, the one big, one of the big moments we had in our premarital counseling, but there were like a few moments that I was like, oh, Okay, like church. I think this is a good example. In our premarital counseling, one of the topics was church, and you had to decide what's your family's thought. What are your family's thoughts about church attendance, about tithing? Like, what do you think about that? Mm -hmm. And Matt and I had differing opinions on it because I was kind of like, I mean, Sundays are cool, but I work 
a lot of Sundays. So I'd rather be in a small group than go to church on Sunday. Like if I miss a Sunday, it doesn't matter to me. Mm -hmm. And at the time, Matt was like, but I want us to be there in church together and sit next to each other, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that sort of helped me to come up with this mantra, which sounds so crazy, y'all. But I came up with this mantra like, my husband wants me to sit next to him in church. He's not asking me to smoke crack. Right. You know, like I can sit next to you in a church service and hold your hand and hear good words about mm-hmm. God. Well, mm-hmm. why, why are you fighting about this? Right. Mm-hmm. Your husband's not asking you to smoke crack. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's time to go to the beach. <laughs> you well, need to we sp- could be smoking crack. We could be smoking crack, but we not. <laughs> Your man want to go to the beach, go to the beach with him. So it was those things of having to like work those things out. But premarital counseling, there are still a lot of things that they walk through with us that really reflect to us in our marriage. Mm-hmm. Of course, when it got to conflict, Matt was like, I think um, at first he was like, I think we should settle all our marital disputes by pencil fighting. And I was like, no. (laughs) And then he was like, all right, freestyle battle. And I was like, (laughs) the ideas are not getting increasingly helpful, sir. No. Okay. Let's talk about sex prep. Okay. Now for both Missy and I, we were walking into these marriages not having had sex before the marriage. Right. So I think there's just some other sex prep going on. And my, when I'm like, my mind is like, I'm 31 years old and I've never had sex. Someone mm-hmm. needs to tell me the things. Someone right. needs to t- talk to me about like the stuff. So I feel like uh, one of the things that was important to me was to have some very real conversations with some married women. Yes. Did you also do this? I did not have real conversations with married women, but our marriage counselor said some very real things to us. And uh, I had conversations with girlfriends who were not married, but had had sex. Mm, Come on. And that kind of prepared me Mm -hmm. for things Mm -hmm. in a very real way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I had a married friend, um, my friend Kimberly, she just, she hit me with a lot of facts that I was like, oh, this is going to go really different. (laughs) It's not like on TV at all. No, it is not like that. I, mm, yeah, yeah. So I think it does help there. Um, We talked in our uh, appointment etiquette episode about what happens when you go to get the bikini wax. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I tell some <laughs> some detailed <laughs> stories about that. But that was a part of my wedding night prep was trying to do the landscaping in an area that no one had visited. Mm-hmm. So I remember going to look into those things. Um, lingerie shower. I did this. Did you also do this? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I felt like that was also helpful. Mm-hmm. Depending on who's invited, it can get weird. Yeah. Oh, mine was <laughs> only like four of my closest friends. It can get super weird because I remember having to be like, no one's moms can come. Yeah. Like my mom can't come. My mother-in-law can't come. My friend's mom did buy me something though and sent it with her daughter. I feel like a friend's mom is where it's like, all right. Mm-hmm. But I don't want my mom there. Oh, no. And then if my mother-in-law's there, my future mother-in-law at that point, that just feels weird. It's like certain things. It's almost like, <laughs> I've said to Matt before, it's almost like I want my mother-in-law 
to assume I'm the Virgin Mary until I have a baby. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like there's like certain lines in the family knowledge that like maybe we are having sex, but to your to your mother in law, you're not. You're just living with her son, having a good time eating food together. You're eating food. And you're making sure he is okay. (laughs) And that's all she knows is happening. She doesn't assume anything else is going on until sometime a baby is present. That was my agreement with Matt. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I feel like we covered before marriage. Mm -hmm. But if you feel like we missed anything and you've got more questions, you can definitely tweet us or Instagram or whatever other things that you do on the interwebs. Now we're going to talk about after marriage. Okay. Things. I feel like there are so many things. And we got like quite a few notes from our Facebook crowdsourcing. I'm almost like, where does one even start? Okay. I, I am interested to discuss gender roles, which Mm -hmm. you touched on a little bit in some of the premarital counseling discussion. But in the marriage, how do you decide? How do you decide gender roles? Should there be gender roles? I think is a big question Mm -hmm. because to some people it's like, well, these are the things the woman does and these are the things the man does. But then to some people, they're like, these are the things we all do because we're a family and everybody pitches Mm -hmm. and whatever. So what was your experience in, because you've gone through some iterations of what that looks like in your family. Mm -hmm. So what does it look like to sort of define or redefine gender roles or if there should even be gender roles to begin with? So we started off with very strictly defined gender roles. Okay. The man works. The woman stays home, has all the babies, homeschools all the babies. Okay. We got a few years into that and a few children into that before we discovered that we were doing that more because it was presented to us as the only way than that's what was healthy for our family. Mm. So once it started becoming apparent that this is not healthy for us, this isn't working for us, turns out there's more than one way to skin a cat. And we've been skinning it the hard way <laughs> right? for us because we didn't have the right tools to do it that way, you know. So we switched everything. And that's been really, we're kind of like s- still working through that because it's hard when you're headed a direction and you switch directions and now you're going a different direction and it's, you have to reorient everything, which caused a lot of growth in our marriage. Yeah. Um. So I think that there there are some things that will always be because we have uteruses. Facts. And they have penises. Facts. And they typically have bigger muscles than us. And they're typically taller than us. Not always, but most of the time, you know. So I think there's some some roles that are just practical because of our biology. <laughs> you know, like we are going to be the ones to carry the babies and to breastfeed the babies. We're trying, you know, we can try as hard as we want to to change that, but that is how it's probably always going to be. And we're the ones that carry certain hormones that make us 
attached and better able to care for our babies than men. But having said that, there are some men that want to stay home with the babies and do a great job staying home with the babies while their wife goes to work and pumps all day. You know, so Mm -hmm. you really can't paint with such a broad brush. I mean, there are definitely things about our genders biologically that just make things that way. But there's also people that work differently and it works really great for them and they have a healthy family and a healthy relationship. You know, so you really can't say, I don't think that you can you can make really hard boundaries. Yeah. On the roles. Mm-hmm. Like our family, I like to mow the grass. That's typically wow. a male thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel lazy or I don't have time and Brent cuts the grass and I really don't like how he does it. <laughs> like we just had this argument because there's this patch of yard in my backyard that has not been mowed for all of summer. And he swears he mowed it, but he didn't mow it the last time. And I'm like, no. Those weeds are up to my waist. They don't get that way in three weeks. You know, I've had this whole conversation because I just have opinions about how the grass gets mowed. Right. And I care about it more than he does. So I mow the grass. Plus, Mm -hmm. it's like a thousand calories when you mow the grass. Like, you burn a thousand calories. Watch out. Mm -hmm. Which is a lot of donuts. That's a lot of donuts. Okay, come on. Mm -hmm. That's like four donuts. Come on. Yeah. So there's things that we do that are outside of our roles. Yeah. And I think in our marriage, as we've had to redefine things, and because we have five kids, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I cannot be the only parent involved in five kids' lives. Right, right. I think you can get away with that to a certain extent, up to, you know, two, maybe three kids, Mm -hmm. where the mom's just doing everything. She goes to all the PTA meetings. She goes to all the sports games. She packs the lunches every day. She does all the things. But when you have five kids. Yeah. Everybody's got to jump in. I could try to do all the things and run myself ragged doing it, but I'm not going to. Mm -hmm. And so it took, you know, my husband wants to be involved. So it's not like I had to like pull his hair or anything. But it did take me making the statement a few times of these are not just my kids. Yeah. Do you know what your kids are learning in school this year? These are your kids, too. You should know these things. Mm -hmm. You should be coming to the school, too, to meet the parents. Or to meet the teachers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And go to curriculum night, you know? And and now that we've made that trans transition, there's times where I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> He's telling me, no, she's in such and such class. And this is what happened. And this is when that's due. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. And so I feel like we're striking more of a balance. That's good. And I think there would be a lot less crazy women out there if their husbands were were bearing that burden with them. Man, that's a good point. That's a good point. And and I think too, one of the things that I had to learn on the other side of marriage is that you get to make those choices for your family, for Mm -hmm. what works for your family. And what works for one family over here may not work for your family or may not work through every season of time because there'll be these different seasons of time where like things have to shift. And I think that helped me too, because I remember feeling like when we were engaged, someone asked me when Matt wasn't with me, if I was going to stop being on the road and like working Mm -hmm. after we got married. 
And of course I was engaged and I was emotional. And so I went home and I was like, oh my God, why did they say that? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, is that what you want, babe? You want me to like all the ugly cry. And he was like, I don't want that. He's like, I want you to do what God called you to do. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm marrying you as a whole person. So mm-hmm. I'm not marrying you and then going, well, I don't want you to be that anymore. I want you to be this thing I'm making you into, mm-hmm. you know? So I think even that for us, like redefining what that had to look like, you know, that we could also be partners mm-hmm. in our life, yes, you know? Partners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that helps a lot versus everybody having to lean towards what we say is woman or man as far right. as what those strengths or whatever should be, you know? Mm-hmm. But also, <laughs> I've been joking with some of my other women friends, but I can also be a feminist and make my man a blueberry muffin. Yes, you can. If I feel like yes, it. you can. If I feel like doing that, mm-hmm. just like my man can be manly, whatever he defines manly to be, and wash the dishes. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. there's not an either or about that. Mm-hmm. There can be a both and that hopefully, like you said, is empowering for yeah. for everyone. So I love that. I have to tell you one thing. Last night, so this last week was kind of like a, um, I deserve a badge because I had a panic attack and I did all the things anyway kind of week for me. Yeah. And it was just like one thing after another, nothing bad. It was just a lot. Yeah. And I had all these ideas for this week of how I was going to rock it. I was going to be organized and I was going to clean things and all, and none of it happened. Like none of it happened. Yeah. So last night my husband's doing the dishes. It was a lot of dishes. And I was like, I'm sorry. Are you mad about having to do these dishes? And he was, he looked at me like I was crazy. He was like, no, I'm just doing the dishes. And I was like, I'm sorry I wasn't home all day and I didn't do the dishes. And then again, he looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah. And he was like, why are you apologizing for that? <laughs> for right. that? And I was like, well, because you married me. So I would be home all day and do the dishes and raise the kids. And I'm not doing those things right now. And he looked at me and was like, I didn't marry you for that. He, was, he said, I married you because you were my friend. Oh, please. And yes. you're the friend that I want with me for my whole entire life. Yeah. At every every cross that, that every cross that the road takes. Yeah. That the path takes. You're the one I want with me. Oh my goodness. In all of those. Mm-hmm. And so I realized while when we got married, I had all these ideas about gender roles Mm. that make me feel guilty now. Right. My husband really didn't have any. Which is such a relief. Mm -hmm. It's almost like I I feel like that's true for a good number of women. Mm -hmm. A good number of us are putting this like huge pressure on ourselves for whatever we imagined the -hmm. perfect wife or the perfect mom to be. And our spouse is for the most part not holding us right. to that, mm-hmm. you know, or in a lot of situations, our spouse is like, what? Why are you? <laughs> really? Yeah. You know, like I, I have had these same apologies. Like I remember our first year being married, I would apologize for dishes having been left in the sink overnight. Like if I woke up the next morning and I was like, I'm so sorry. And Matt would be like, what? Mm-hmm. I mean, our first place we live, you really shouldn't be leaving dishes nowhere because <laughs> 
your other roommates that live right. there, your other six legged <laughs> roommates be coming out. So that's probably why I was apologizing, really. But other 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 marriage stories to tell you. Mm-hmm. Your first place you live probably gonna be terrible. Okay, other things we want to discuss. I want to ask you. I feel like there's so many things on this list. I'm just like, okay. I don't feel any pressure. If it makes you feel better, I'm not feeling pressured at all. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. So <laughs> I want to discuss real quick, because I feel like at some point we we are going to need to get into the balance of the raising the children. And mm-hmm. that's where I sit back and take notes as you tell me the things. <laughs> and then I want to talk about sex. And then we have to talk about sex after you have kids. Right. I also want to talk about that. Before we get to these things, let us talk about bathroom etiquette mm-hmm. in your marriage. <laughs> no one discusses with you this because being married is in part being a good roommate. Yes. That's why I, I feel like that could be considered a part of marriage prep is if you learned at some point in your life how to be a good roommate. Because that's a part of it, you know? It's like those things. But bathroom etiquette gets kind of tricky because I think there's a part of you that wants to maintain the sexy for a certain amount of time. (laughs) Yeah, until you have a baby. (laughs) Then it's over. What? What should the bathroom etiquette be? Like, we talked about the importance of the bathroom spray. Like, I, I am not... I feel like my house is not a home if there is not some sort of fragrance right. improver in every bathroom. I have noticed some of the relationships around me. Some women are very uh, comfortable and okay with their husbands, like, farting all the time. I'm not here for that. And being gross. And I don't have a tolerance for no, that. No, not me. Mm -mm. And I mean, men, for whatever reason, have a hard time controlling their sphincters. Okay, let me ask you a question real quick. Do do they have a hard time controlling their sphincter or do they just find it funny when they let one fly? I'm having a hard time understanding a lifetime of forcing sounds out for fun. They have lost the ability um, no, that makes me tired. To completely control their sphincters. Oh my gosh, no. I mean, when you think about how many men you know that have accidentally pooped their pants. Uh, versus how many women you know that have accidentally pooped their pants. I don't know any women that have accidentally pooped their pants in their adult lives. I don't either. And I'm not talking about like senior adult. I'm talking about yeah. like. And like we're of sober mind. Right. Yeah, no. I don't know of any. No. So... Uh, I understand they have different, there's just something different going on there and sounds and, and things escape occasionally. So I'm not going to laugh about it with you, but it happened. Okay. There's like, you, you're giving grace there for yeah. that. Okay. Yeah, I get but that. But in, in my house, it's about to get real. Ugh. If you leaned in your chair and then farted, I know that it was planned. Right. Intentional. Premeditated mm-hmm. farting. Man, no. <laughs> I'm not. No. That is rude. Yes. <laughs> it is uncouth. Unscrupulous. It is. it is. Yes. And so, 
Yeah. I think that guys got to be careful about that. You yeah. got to treat your lady like a lady. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel especially, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, if you are wanting to have the sexy time with your wife, I feel like you need to cultivate... Mm-hmm. You need to cultivate the sexy time environment. And a part of that is you not just like funking up the bathroom (laughs) all the time. And and you might have to tell your husband that. Mm. You might have to be like, you just went in there and did that. Left the door open. No. Did not spray. The spray is conveniently located next to the toilet. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then you're going to try to come in here no. in this room right here attached to that room Mm-mm. and put some moves on me. No, and not the I moves. I can't go there Mm-mm. while the air smells like whatever's been rotting inside your intestines, <laughs> which I was not at all curious to know what that smelled like. It seems like maybe you think I was curious Ooh. because you did that. You let you did not spray and then you left the door open. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You got to at least pick one. Yeah. Like, if you're not going to spray, fan with the door Mm -hmm. shut, at least. Mm -hmm. Like, but spray. Yeah. Because that's what Mm -hmm. it's there for. Right. Then I don't have to feel, you know, assaulted in the nostrils when I have to go back into that bathroom space. Mm -hmm. Especially when you first first get married. You know, I know for us, when you first get married, you're living in a small place. Yeah. You may or may not have another bathroom. Right. It may be that one bathroom that you share. Hey, etiquettes, Mm -hmm. etiquettes. You also, so women, you might have to patiently train your husband in this. Dear Lord. By explaining to them in these sexy time moments, I can't go there with you right now because I'm smelling. Mm Mm-hmm. Whatever was in your intestines, if you you do have to ago. communicate. That's true, and that's just how it is. <sighs> next time, spray and or shut the door, mm-hmm. and or don't fart as you're approaching me. Man, also if you happen to need to go into the bathroom and and relieve things, do that. You know what else is sometimes in the bathroom? Shower. Yes, you can go in there. Mm-hmm. Just do a little uh, undercarriage mm-hmm. scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go in there and then it's like you got a chance to relieve and you are now so fresh and so clean, clean, which is great for sexy time. Yeah, actually, that's yes. that's the best mm-hmm. case scenario for sexy time is so fresh and so clean, clean mm-hmm. is what I am And just... don't be afraid to tell your husband that because their brains don't work like ours. It's not going to hurt his feelings. If you're like, you stink, go take a shower. Because all they're hearing is, if I take a shower, I get sex. Okay. Facts. Facts. They want to be Logical told equations. what to do. Logical they equations. They want to be told. Mm. Tell mm. them. Okay, let's discuss Let's discuss sex a, a bit. And we have a couple of categories we need to hit here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, nigga. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are in fourth grade. Woo! I'm just already <laughs> chuckling because I have like so many thoughts that hit my mind just now. Okay, I forgot to mention what we were talking about before marriage, but this book is also great after marriage. The book, um, I always call it by the wrong name, but the actual name, I always call it Bedsheets because there are bedsheets on the cover <laughs> of it, but that's not the name of that book. Oh. It's called Sheet Music by Kevin Lehman. 
Oh, if I like you him. are, oh my gosh, he's amazing. I haven't read that book, but I've read other books of his. He's amazing. If you are engaged to be married, and I mean you're close to your wedding day, like you're within a couple of months of your wedding day, um, this book was really, really helpful for me before we got married. There are four chapters in it that you're supposed to read before you get married, and then the rest of the book you're supposed to read after you get married. But there's a chapter for uh, the woman to read, there's a chapter for the man to read, and then there's two other chapters just giving you all the generic information. But it was some of the most down-to-earth, like, basic, clearly and plainly written advice about marital sex to me. It covered the shower, the importance of the shower and the undercarriage. It writes the things for each, you know, each person. So that way, if you are engaged to someone and you have some questions, because if you've been to this person's apartment, you know, you kind of know some mm-hmm. of what this, if you, wherever they live, you've been to their place, you kind of know if you should have, you know, some concerns about their undercarriage. So there's a whole chapter on just like taking care of yourself, making sure you're, you know, feeling, feeling clean, making sure you're doing the things that would be attractive to your spouse. It's a whole chapter for each person. So you could technically get this book for your person and then you don't have to say some of the things. You'll be like, make sure you read your chapter. Don't talk to me about it. (laughs) Just read it and then discuss it with your friends, but do the things it says. Okay. But even if you have been married a while, this book is actually really great because it goes through all the things like what happens when you're too tired to have sex. It goes through all like the stuff. He gives you the things. So that's important. But let us discuss. (laughs) I'm like, where does one even start with this? I'm like, important things I think you should know about married sex after like you're into the marriage now. Mm -hmm. If you could give like, Two bullet points to that. What would you say are two important things to know about married sex? My first bullet point would be be patient. Ooh, that's good. My second bullet point would be communicate. Mm. So my first bullet point, be patient. It takes a few years of being intimate with one another before you get really good at it. Mm. Like we had some episodes that we used to laugh about immediately afterwards and we call it like our porn bloopers. <laughs> like if I'm we so were, scared. If I'm we so were filming afraid. a porno right now, that would have gone on the blooper reel. <laughs> oh, I'm so afraid of life. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, like you maneuvered one way, he maneuvered the other and you knocked heads or your toe went up his nose or something. <laughs> something incredibly unsexy mm-hmm. happened. I feel like, and it still happens sometimes where we spend a few minutes just laughing. Yes, that is a part. At what mm-hmm. just happened and then being like, okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, yes. we can do this now. <laughs> yes. Oh, my <laughs> because gosh. Because we were laughing so hard. Yeah. But it takes a little while of, you know, being patient yeah, for that. It, it mm-hmm. may not be great right away, which, I mean, there's some aspects of sex that should be great all the time. Right. Facts. You know? Mm-hmm. And part of that is going to depend on who you're with and how attentive to your needs they are. Yeah. 
So you have to be aware of what the other person needs. And this goes into communication, communicating what you need. Yeah. And it takes a little bit of practice. Mm -hmm. And it seems like, as I've been talking about this with people getting ready for it, it seems like it takes like five years before it gets really good. Mm -hmm. Like really good almost every single time. Mm -hmm. And I think that should be the goal. You know, like it, and it doesn't seem like that's how it's going for a lot of women. Right, right. Um, and I only have a few friends that I talk about sex with and they're all having great sex mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's a connection, you know, like hmm. people that don't talk about sex also tend not to have good <laughs> sex. I don't know. I do not know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think to your point, one thing I would say is important is you need at least one freaky friend. Mm-hmm. Like yes. as a as the, as do. a woman, mm-hmm. you need at least one freaky woman friend that you can call if you have. Especially, I remember when I got back from my honeymoon. Like I had read the things, and you know, I mean, by the time you get to be thirty one, you know, you know the the physiology mm-hmm. of what's happening there. But I remember getting back from my honeymoon and being like, "Yeah, I have some follow up questions." <laughs> About a couple of things, mm-hmm. but I only had like one freaky friend that I knew if I called her and had to tell her, like in order to get her advice or her help, I had to tell her the details mm-hmm. of what happened yeah. and that she wouldn't feel embarrassed, like right. hearing me say it. And that she would also be like, okay, I understand. I understand. Like I, like as soon as Matt, Matt's first day at work, I was like, oh, babe, bye. Bye, babe. Love Love you. See you when you get home. <laughs> Have a good day. Made you lunch. Bye. As soon as he locked the door, I was like, boo doo 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 <laughs> I was like, girl, are you home? And she was like, yeah, I'm coming over. Bye. And I went over there. It was like, you didn't tell me about this part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about these things? And I have a question about what one is supposed to do when this happens. Mm-hmm. And she was like, take this key and go to this lockbox. <laughs> and she had like, she had like a lockbox of resources. Wow. And she was like, turn to this page. Now, if this happens again, you can do these things. And here are these cards I'm going to send you home with. Like she had like wow. the stuff. She is a freaky friend. Yeah. You know, but she had been married probably almost 15 years by my first mm-hmm. coming back from mm-hmm. my honeymoon. So to your, you know, stats on the time there, you know, she'd been at the game a while, you know. Oh, I so, have a third bullet point. Oh, come on. What's your third bullet point? Are you, do, are you doing your bullet points? Are you going through your bullet points? Am you tell one, yours? then I'll tell I'll tell. Do it one in the dark. Mm. You have to do it in the dark a lot at first. Mm. This is for the woman's benefit. Mm. Mm. Because if she's trying to worry about what her boobs look like. Right. When she's leaning this way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Then it that you get too much in the, whatever part of your brain that is. Yeah, and then you're not you're not you're mm-hmm. no longer involved in sexy time because yeah. your brain is like <clears throat> doing Do it the in other the dark. Things. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Freaky no, friends. Good. Yeah, you need freaky friends basically, so you can have some real conversations. And you always need a freaky friend because even after you're past your newlywed time, other things may still come mm-hmm. up that you yeah. just want to be like, girl, I tried to do the such and such. 
And did your hip hurt after you? Like, you need a couple of friends who can, like, handle that. And not mm-hmm. all people nope. feel comfortable talking about this. They're so you kind of bad sex, though. Yeah, they might, which is unfortunate. And I feel like I am the freaky friend of yeah, a couple of people. That's me too. Yeah, where they feel, or I'm, I just like put it out there. Even some of my friends that are about to get married, I just say to them, "I'm that person." So mm-hmm. if you have like a question or something comes up, and you talk about it. Just know I'm not going to be like, "Ooh, girl, clutches pearls." Like, <laughs> why are we clutching pearls, girl? Like, we need to talk about it. God knows, I don't right. know why we mm-hmm. feel ashamed about it. So no, let's talk about it. So you need a freaky friend. Um, what would my other bullet point be? Oh, my other bullet point would be, and this is to me like wife specific. I feel like you should spend some time discovering the things that make you feel sexy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those things are separate from the things you might do for your husband that he finds sexy. Like sometimes I might like to do things like I might like, to buy a pair of underwear that I find to be really sexy and I might wear them under a pair of sweatpants. Mm -hmm. And I'm the only person that knows I have them on that day, but it makes me feel sexy. Mm -hmm. And I think every woman should have that, you know, to where you own that part of yourself too, because I think some of it comes down to self-care also Mm -hmm. of like a a part of the sexy time is you, you taking care of yourself and you, you know, finding what you find attractive. And that will be different from yeah, woman to expression. woman. Totally is. Sex is an expression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a language. Because mm-hmm. I feel like when you said patience, that's so important because I feel like you're, and of course, in the particular context that Missy and I were coming from when we got married, you know, we were just now having sex for the first time. And for a lot of my friends, even if they had had sex before, if they just waited to have sex just even with their mm-hmm, spouse, right. you know, person that they married, they were having sex for the first time with that person on their honeymoon. And I think you have to give yourself time to learn how to speak that language to each other. And mm-hmm. a part of it is communication. And, you know, and then that's why you need to go to therapy, because sometimes that's going to open up some things yeah. that you didn't know was going to make you feel. And you need to be able to have the freedom to discuss that with your spouse mm-hmm. or or your freaky friend, mm-hmm. you know, or your therapist, whatever. So I, I think one of the things um, Kevin Lehman talked about in Sheet Music he talked about having a budget for like for sexy time, whatever y'all like mm-hmm. to do, right? You know, like so having a budget where like you go and get yourself some lingerie you like sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, or you buy like music that you like that's not you know that's not worship music, guys. <laughs> that's that is not for sexy time, right? Okay, you need Maxwell, Barry White, <laughs> Joe to see. Nirvana, if you're that kind of person, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever you need, just, hey, something. Mm -hmm. Sexy time. Right. Those would be my bullets. Okay. Now, after you get married, for some people, this doesn't have for everybody, but for some people, you get married, you have sex, and then what happens? You get pregnant, you have some kids. Now, some people have asked us, how does that work in the marriage? How does that change the marriage? When you go from it being the two people to now you have one person, in your case, you end up five people mm-hmm. plus you and your spouse. How do you balance keeping that relationship, you know, the sexy time, but also the romantic time mm-hmm. and the friend time, like yeah. the stuff that's not just like we're mom and we're dad. Right. Like how have you kind of walked through some of that journey? 
So I had a point to go with first and I forgot it because all the things just flooded <laughs> my brain. Like I have so many things to tell you because I do feel like we balance this really well. Mm. Um, in, in our relationship, our it's, it's not child centric. Gotcha. It's not like our whole world's stopped and revolve mostly because like my second one came 17 months after the first one. So it was like, well, now there's two of them and neither one of them are going to get their way all the time. So right. Mm-hmm. Now this is how it's going to be. But I feel like um, one point I would say is healthy sleep patterns for oh, your kids. Wow. They Somebody did a study and, and found out, which kind of makes me laugh that they did a study to find this out. Moms who put their children to bed earlier are happier. Wow. And I have definitely, I would say that that is true of my mom friends. The mm-hmm. ones whose kids are still up at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night are not so happy. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that, I think that was one thing that we did right. From the very beginning, because we chose not to, uh, we didn't decide when our babies were coming or anything. Mm -hmm. They just came when they came. And most of the time it was a complete surprise. (laughs) (laughs) None of them were planned, except for maybe our first. You could say that she was planned, but not really, because it didn't happen when I thought it was going to. But um we didn't plan any of them, and I liked it that way because it, it wasn't. We didn't have like all the pressure of what if I plan it for this time and I get it wrong. Right. <laughs> it was just like, well, they're gonna come whenever they when get they here. come, and then we got to the point where we were like, well, five is a lot. Maybe we're done now. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know, and I don't regret any of it. Uh, it's definitely not what I would have done if I was planning it. Right. Sure. But that was a lot of pressure to me to try to plan all that perfectly. So I was like, well, I'm just going to let them come when they come and we'll know when to quit. And we did. (laughs) So with that being said, there was a lot of just going with the flow. But we were we got some things right in the beginning as far as establishing bedtime, a strict bedtime, Mm. as in it is time for you to go to your bed and we're going to hang out with each other now. Right. And when they're newborns, the newborn is just there hanging out with you. Right. And the other kids have gone to bed. You know, like newborn, you can't do nothing about that. They're just there all the time. But they sleep a lot and they can't understand what you're saying or what you're watching on TV. <laughs> so it works out good. And they're not going to ask you for some of your ice cream. That's right. Come on, newborns. Yeah. Not needing to share. Newborns are mm. the best. All right. So we, most of our time when our kids were really little, we lived far away from any support system. Mm. It was just the two of us. We did not have close friends. We didn't have family. We didn't even have babysitters. Wow. So for a while, once a year, my parents would drive over and watch the kids so we could go out on an actual date. Wow. But aside from that, we didn't go on dates. That was just the reality of our situation. It wasn't a choice. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you hear all these really romantic ideas about doing date night every week. And you can do free stuff for date night. And it's just like, I hear that and I'm like, okay, I hear what you're saying. But that is not how life works for me. So we had to do our date nights at home, which meant 
we're going to have takeout from Outback Mm -hmm. at 10 o'clock at night while we watch a movie, you know? Yeah. And so I think we, in some ways, invested in ourselves that way, even when the kids were really little. Okay. And even now, now that they're bigger, we do things like we went to Warp Tour. We were like the oldest people there. Mm -hmm. But that's something that we both enjoy doing. Mm Mm-hmm. Totally inappropriate for our age group. <laughs> Who's to say? Not at all what anybody would define as being a parenting <laughs> thing to do. But it's who we are. That's right. So That's we, right. we do that. Yeah. And would I take my children with me? No way. Right. right. <laughs> or would I let my children go? No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you get your own house. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's important to not lose who you are Mm. together. As you're raising children, you're not becoming parents. You, I am Missy, and now Missy is a mom. Mm. But I'm still Missy, and the Mm -hmm. things about me that make me me are still there. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that make me a unique and a great mom for the children that God chose to give me. Right. Because I'm the best one to parent them, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 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 Okay. Let us also talk about, because someone asked us, (laughs) sex after kids, Mm -hmm. which I have always been, I feel like there are certain parts of life that become like, becomes like a black hole where like no one talks about it. Right. So I felt like when I was single before I got married, what actually happens on your honeymoon was like a black hole. It was Uh like people went and they had an experience there. And then like, you know, they came back and depending on how they felt about you, you never really knew how that went. And then for some of my friends, labor was like that. Their Mm -hmm. labor and birth experience, it was like this. Well, I almost feel like not like the people are talking about labor and birth more. I think what they're not talking about is the aftermath of that scenario. Like, oh, yeah. like hanging mm-hmm. around you and your friends has been the first time. Like that's been like a black hole. It's like all I hear from people is like, I went there and it hurt terribly. And then some women are like, and I had natural birth. And some women are like, and I had a C-section. And some women are like, and I had epidural. Everybody has that. They have that mm-hmm. story to tell. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a black hole where like there's no information. And then it's mm-hmm. just like you see mm-hmm. them and they're holding the baby. And you're, they're like, oh, we're so glad she's here. No one's telling you about some of the other things. I mean, you right. helped me have some mm-hmm. information about that. I feel like having kids and then having sex after you have kids is also a black hole oh, yes. that I, I haven't some light heard anyone discussing that. <laughs> uh-huh. You just hear that, oh, we love, we like all these things. Like we didn't know love until we had this baby. And I'm like, I'm sure that's true. But... Why are you not telling me about these other things on your Facebook post, mm-hmm. though? Like, just tell me everything. So can you give us, also me, two, <laughs> two important facts mm-hmm. to know or consider about what that sexy time may transition to after kids? Because I want to know about some physiological things, mm-hmm. but I also want to know, like, other people live with you now. Uh, the little people are living there now. Mm-hmm. So you can't just be out here swinging from the chandeliers and and right. doing those things because someone of an age that can speak back to you about it mm-hmm. could see you doing right. the stuff. Yeah. So please discuss with us these things. 
So first of all, it's important to know that a large percentage of women experience painful sex for up to a year after they have a baby. What? It almost to a point where it could be considered normal. What? Mm-hmm. I did not know that until recently. I was I had to learn that in school. I'm gonna have to drink some um, because water because I never experienced that quite like that. Uh, because you, there is a lot going on. Your all of your geography gets changed around. Come on, geography inside of you, in a way like your cervix visibly looks different after you've had a baby mm -hmm. forever. Like mm -hmm. you can look at somebody's cervix and be like, they've had a baby. So and then the tissue. You know, on the outside changes and it's it's sore for a while. And in some cases, you might experience that sex is better after you have a baby because mm. some things have been released. Oh. The space might be bigger. Huh. Stretchier. So for some people, sex is way better after they've had a baby. Okay. It just depends on, you know, your unique characteristics. I see. <laughs> I see. Uh, another okay. So in the after you have a baby, you have stuff coming out of you everywhere, and it is crazy. Like your boobs are leaking milk all the time. Some women, that's going on for six to nine months after they have a baby. So you have to wear these pads in your bra. I gotta drink some more water to catch this milk because if you don't, your shirt is going to be soaking wet at a picnic or at work or at the grocery store <laughs> because this milk just comes out suddenly and it feels like lightning going through your nipples. Wow. So you will clutch your breasts. Oh. And you get really used to doing that in public, like touching your boobs. Okay. I, I feel like I might be already doing that, so I'm yeah. glad I'm already in the vein. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, you're ready Good. to go with that. Okay. So your boobs are now serving a different function, and when you are aroused milk also comes out. Wow. So for some people, that means they have sex all the time with their bra on for a long time. Let me drink some more water. This is getting, <laughs> I'm feeling stressed. Or at least a liner on your mattress. <laughs> because What'd you're you going say? to make a mess and it will stain your mattress. Breast milk stains the mattress. Oh. You should know that. So you got stuff coming out everywhere and your body parts are all different so you have it's not like starting over but you do need to go very slow mm. and take your time because it's gonna it feels different okay. everything feels different okay so you gotta know ahead of time to take it slow now also the newborns are cool because they can be in the same room with you and they don't care and you don't care. Full stop. Full stop. <laughs> okay, I get that the newborn doesn't care. Right. But, okay, I'm trying to just imagine this. And I guess a new a newborn, because they can't, like, pull up on the corner mm -hmm. of a something. Because I just feel like if baby if a baby's eye is on mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. that's immediate end of sexy yes, time. But that's is. why you saying the newborn, newborn mm -hmm. they can only be. And they can sleep through anything. They can only be where you lay them down. Yep. What you saying? Mm -hmm. So, okay. But now, after that. Yeah, like. After that, then you, like for us, we kept our babies in our room with us until they were about a year old. Okay. 
So now you've got a child that can pull up on the playpen or the crib or whatever. So what I know to be true for almost everybody with small children is they have sex in weird places. <sighs> like maybe the master closet. I am going to have to take a long sip of water. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Uh, if there is a room in the basement with a futon in it, do not sit on that uh. futon at somebody's house if they have toddlers. If you are going to sit on it, just know that you are probably sitting where they have most of their sexy time. <sighs> It could be in a playroom. I'm so stressed. I'm so very stressed right now. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm so very stressed. <laughs> this information. Very little sex happens in the bed when you have small children. Because of the likelihood of them mm -hmm. walking in right. on you. Right. You because have to usually find. usually their bedrooms are up near your bedroom. Yeah. And they, you don't know. They just had a nightmare. Now they've come into your, and you can lock the door. You can. You can try to remember okay. to lock the door. You can try to remember because you might. But then you don't know how long have they been standing out there and what have they heard and am I going to wake them up right. if we're being too loud, you know, that kind of thing. So to my knowledge, most parents for a while have sex in many other places on a chair in the kitchen. <laughs> Depending on how your house is laid out, that <sighs> might be there's enough corners that you can get it in there before somebody's going to walk in on you. <laughs> it just depends. <laughs> this is like the secret life of parents, yo. Uh -huh. like, yeah. like, this is stuff that, like, most of my friends that are parents, like, you don't ever get to have this conversation uh -huh. because, mm -hmm. well, some of the time I find, too, that a lot of my friends that are parents, we're we have to get the most bang for our gathering buck now. Mm -hmm. So it's like the four of us, if they have a little, little baby, the four of us have to get together and the baby has to be with us if the baby's little. Right. So then it's like, you're not even getting that moment with like mm -hmm. your woman friend to be like, girl, what? You know, like you don't get to have those conversations. So this year you're opening up a whole, mm -hmm. a whole world of information right now. Yep. Those are my two points. Your body changes. You got to mm -hmm. take it slow. Mm-hmm. Maybe revert to lights off mm -hmm. for a while. Mm -hmm. And sex almost never happens in the bed. When you have, like, babies and toddlers around. Mm -hmm. It changes when your kids get older. Right. Because then you're, like, pretty sure they're asleep or you got some white noise or something. something. <sighs> One more question as mm -hmm. we close this episode. There is myth and truth to the term happily married. I feel like, in part, sometimes happily married makes it sound like you're skipping through the tulips all the time and everything is romantic and everything is like the notebook <laughs> in your life, you know, which actually would be really terrible. Just the notebook. The love story there is kind of weird. Anyway, but... The other version, the healthy version of happily married is, it's, it is a good life. It's a good life with your spouse. It's hard, like life is gonna be hard. Mm -hmm. You're gonna have arguments and disagree and you'll go through your growing pains and this and that. But overall, you're waking up to your favorite person. 
every day. You're waking up to the person whose nerves you want to get on mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. Right. In closing, tell me one thing that you would say when you think about your marriage makes you feel like you're happily married. Well, I say this often out loud to my husband because we have a lot of hard days. We chose a hard life. Mm. <laughs> we have five children. It is not easy. It's yeah. never going to be easy. Yeah. But I tell him all the time that I'm so happy and thankful to be battling through this life with him. We're going through all the hard stuff together. We're going through all the good stuff together. But all the little things that he does gets me through my hardest days. Yeah. And I know that all these little things that I do get him through his hardest days. And sometimes we're both just exhausted together. But we're together. We're on the same team. Yeah. Yeah. And that's happy. Happy is not like you make me feel happy at all. Yeah. Mm, That's good. I think I would say what makes me feel happily married about Matt is I feel like I don't feel like I'm missing anything in my relationship to him. There's nothing that I'm still looking for out here. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm married to the person that I want to talk to first thing in the morning, that I want to be the last person I talk to at night, mm-hmm. that I want to call when a really bad thing happens, that I want to call when a really great thing happens. And I think that we're learning how to build a really good partnership together. Mm-hmm. And that makes me feel like happy being married to him. Yeah. And it is really funny when I get on his nerves because he <laughs> always says, no. And you know how, like, he's your brother. So, you yeah. know, when you hear that octave go up, you know, whatever whatever's being said is not true. No. You never get on my nerves, girl. No. <laughs> Brent does that. That always makes me laugh. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I got on all your nerves today. Yes. Thank you all for tuning in. Yeah, thanks. Those are our thoughts about before marriage, during marriage, while marriage is going on. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Here for the Donuts podcast is produced by DJ Obdiggy in Orange Fuzz Studios in Atlanta, Georgia.